The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast Rewind. Joining me today is a man who somehow was able to decrypt a 256 encryption key in his head. Welcome, Jacob. Man, sometimes I just don't understand my own genius. I just don't get it. Sometimes it just comes out of thin air. It's like, boop! And then the AD kicks in. It's just like, what was I doing again? Well, I just assumed it was a fluke. It was a fluke. Well, I mean, you're not... I, 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 I mean, this is a poor assumption on my part. I assumed you weren't a math guy. I'm not. <laughs> okay, then. But like, hey, strokes, strokes of genius pop up every once in a while. Either way. Either way. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host. A man who... Uh, he got stuck in the digital world again. Welcome, Drew. Dadelet, what did I tell you about opening portals? Uh-huh, sure, sure. I, I believe that when I see it. Uh-huh. I'm not the only one you picked on your people. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, the internet is a scary place when you don't know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Definitely in the land of Oz. <laughs> yeah, don't go down the red brick road. Yeah. Yeah, and whales who do nothing. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, yes, we are re-reviewing yes. Summer Wars tonight. A movie that sadly is hard to find if you don't already oh own the Blu-ray. Yes. Oh my word! It is out of print. Yes. And it's not streaming anywhere Ooh. except for Voodoo. On Voodoo. Voodoo. Really? Yeah. When's the last time you heard that streaming service's name? Very long time. So, yeah. So very interesting. And story. you have to rent it there. Yeah. So interesting story when it came to. Uh, so we started talking about doing the rewind of this episode. I was like, you know what? Be like, you mentioned, like, you're going to go buy this movie, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. You told me at one point you were thinking yeah. of buying it. Yeah, because it's a really good movie. It, it's got its flaws, but it's a good movie. Yeah. So be like, you know, I do my deal. Let's just go to Amazon to buy to buy the movie. Be like, you can buy a UK version for like 24 bucks, which may work, may work in this region. You try to find one in region one, which is the United States and $250. Yeah, you're but like somewhere on between, the low end, somewhere between like 60 to 200. It's like this Which is insane. Tells me I am so happy that I paid $20 for it 10, 10 yes. years ago at yes. Hastings. Oh, how I miss the Hastings! Oh my gosh, <laughs> rest in peace, Hastings. Be like that for, was the store. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're not kidding. The, the movie that I would go like every like every Friday and go buy movies because. It was my the ADD dyslexia thing. This is like you know, impulsive things. It's like go buy movies yeah. all the time. But anyways, yeah. So long, long. You know, yeah. Out of curiosity, because I did not think to do this. Right, right. Did you think to go back to our old Summer Wars episode and get our ratings? Yep. Interesting story. Interesting story with that. So, be like that was on my mind, and then I got distracted. So no, I haven't. Okay, because I'll be like on if, the off chance that I think I might have done something one time. I'm gonna mm, look for something real okay. quick. But I suspect it's not here. <laughs> I strongly suspect it is not here. 
so we, we might have to pause in the middle of there everything. There may be an edit here. There might be an edit here or there to find find what we rated this movie back in the day, you know, three to four years ago now? Four years ago? Yeah, four years ago. So I probably would have done this as a spreadsheet. Probably. If I did it. So for those who have watched Summer Wars, um, are lucky enough and blessed enough to actually have a copy of this film and not having it to go and either a buy buy an actual buy a copy of it, which would cost you an arm and a leg, and B don't pirate, never Arr. pirate, no pirate, Arr. if you um, can help it. Yeah, if you can help it. Because uh, yeah, there again, there there are some movies, some TV shows we just no longer have access to. So I think in those little gray areas, I'm I'm not saying you know go pirate movies anytime you want, but those films that no longer have media releases or digital releases anymore, that you're gonna go buy, uh, spend an arm and a leg to find one copy of it. I think it was the the uh, the. Uh, the chipmunks move the chip chipmunks adventure yeah yeah that movie is way out of print it's i think it's we on he had to somewhat cheat on that yeah one. somewhat somewhat but yeah but if you have seen summer wars or you own a copy of summer wars please uh, please let us know down in the comment sections down below wherever you listen to us or on our facebook facebook instagram and twitter accounts Please let us know what you thought of Summer Wars if you watched it. Okay, I do not have this in here like I thought I might have. Darn. I have a, I can find the spreadsheet that I started doing it on. Yeah. But for some reason, I only put 7 out of 10 on Frozen. 7 out of 10. Yeah, I don't even know what that's referring to. Wow. So. Well, wowsy, but wowzers. I don't know what that was in reference to, because I don't think that was actually either of our reaction uh, rating for that film but mm-hmm. anyway yeah apparently i i thought i had this saved somewhere but i don't you see drop the ball dude eh, it happens either way jacob and i both rated summer wars a nine so yeah that's what we rated it <laughs> got it uh i rated, totally remember that oh yeah you ready to jump into our uh uh, spoiler-free thoughts on this? Yeah, let's, let's you know drop into that little digital nugget. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. I think this is my fourth or fifth viewing, really, of this film. I, I, I've watched it a couple times. Uh, this one always, I forget how good it is. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a reason this one ended up on our list in the in season one to begin with mm-hmm. and that's because you never hear anyone talk about this film no you hear everyone talk about studio ghibli uh the uh, mamaro hosoda you almost never hear anyone talk mm-hmm. about most people wouldn't even know it's the same guy who did digimon yeah uh and so i remember this being such a underrated film that nobody talked about and i felt we needed to review it and that course we didn't know how long the show was going to last that's but true got it on the list as soon as i possibly yeah. could and that's why we got to review it within our first year and plus the roles came up good yep, for yeah that one. Oh yeah those years when we did you that know, was back when we, we still were rolling for dice yes uh 
but yeah, this one, I can't tell you why I originally bought it. Mm. I know I was in Hastings because that's what's on the label. Yeah. The price tag. Uh, I think I was following Funimation's uh, blog at the mm -hmm. time, and that's how I knew it was coming up. Yeah. And it sounded cool, but I didn't know anything about it. And so I just kind of bought it on a whim. Fair. I got home and was like, <laughs> this is good. This is so stinking good. And granted, the first time I watched it, I'm not even paying attention to the fact of the family or anything. It's like, this fight scenes and this animation is amazing. Oh, we're back with the family. On the first viewing. Okay, fair enough. The first fair. viewing. When I was still in my early 20s. Ah. Nowadays, it's like, I don't even care about Oz. Let's just throw Oz out. Just let me hang out with this family. Yeah, that's that's the thing where, like, when you're when your 20s, definitely you're a guy. It's like, oh, my gosh, the action is so cool. And yeah. then, like, you kind of mellow out into your 30s. And you then you mellow even further, like, me into my 40s. And then it's just like, wow, you start just, like, appreciating everything. Oh yeah, the the this whole movie. I, I strongly suggest this to anybody. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean just uh, cartoon lovers or anime lovers mm -hmm. or people who are just geeky enough to mind watching a cartoon, an animated movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you like movies? Yeah, this is one you should watch. Agreed. That's what I mean. I'm like, put this back in theaters. I don't think it was ever in theaters over here, but that put it amazing. in a theater. I will watch it oh, again. That would be amazing because this movie is that good. I don't know who we've got to talk to. If it's Crunchyroll now, if it's Sony who owns them, if it's Warner brothers who apparently farmed this out to Funimation back in the day, because they didn't want to adapt it, uh, or, uh, dub it themselves. Yeah. Or, do we got to go all the way back to Mamoru Hosoda to get this thing put back out? This film should be easily to get a hold of and everybody should watch it. Kind of like James Cameron and a lot of his other stuff. True I, lies. I doubt it's this is Mamoru Hosoda's fault. No, I suspect no. more it's like it was rented out to Crunchy Funimation. Now they're Crunchyroll. Now they're owned mm -hmm. by Sony and Warner Brothers doesn't want to give Sony uh, any more stuff. In, all tied up in legal business. That's my assumption. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If you do know, let us know down below. Or just get it, talk to the people who know and get yeah, exactly. this re-release because it needs to be. Yeah, and plus I want a copy and not pay $300 yeah. for it. I, it's, I, it's insanity. This movie is so stinking good. Agreed. Um, I can't really talk more about it no, without not a spoiling section. anything. That's what stinks. No spoilers. That is what stinks. So yeah, uh, if, if you want, if you can find this movie, and legally, mm -hmm. let the let people who earn the, everybody earned their money on this on this yes. one. Trust yes. me. Go go watch it somehow, some way, however you have to. Go watch this film. What are your spoiler-free thoughts? My spoiler-free thoughts. I think I've watched this movie. I think twice now. It could be three. Uh, because there again, I had never heard of this film. the The only thing remotely I'd heard about this movie was Digimon the movie, and primarily our our war game is our, a segment. our war games that second part of the film and i think the the third movie the the gold egg movie i think that's also the second yeah. director i think but uh well, all f he did the first uh part of it that with the uh, ty and his little sister yeah with Kari. the big with the big with the big uh digimon yeah 
He did that. He did that one. I don't think he did the third one. Oh, okay. That makes sense. He did this, the first two, but not the third one. Oh, okay. I got, I had a reverse. So anyways, be like, so I'd watch that and it's like, wow, that is really, really good. And then this guy recommended it for the show. I was like, oh, okay. And so he let me borrow a copy. Of borrow, course. Borrow his copy. Because after you know, I had watched it, after you watched it, of course, because uh, that's what you do as podcasters, you're going to help each other out. And some guys see it for him. If you, if you don't live, you know, if you can, if you can. Um, so I watched it blown away. It's like, oh, okay, this is the director. This guy. It's like, wow, this is good. This was and ironically, that was the second Mamoru hosted a film we had watched in the first year. Yes. And we were not trying to go through all of Mamoru Hosoda's filmography, but I think we about did <laughs> by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so be like he did the Digimon movie, the two first two parts. Mm-hmm. He did Summer Wars. And what was the other one? Bell Mirai. Yeah, yeah Bell Mirai. Um did he do the, that girl that, that the girl who leapt through time? He was that was one of his. That's right. Yeah. Uh, oh wow, we've done a ton of his stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. We didn't intend to. No, there was no intention. There was of it. no intention in this at all. It's just like, oh, this movie looks good. Let's review it. Yeah. Oh, it's Amaro Hosoda. Oh, let's look for the let's look for the cyber dimension yeah. thing he's gonna throw in <laughs> in this one. He even threw it in with the stupid family tree in Mirai. Oh gosh. Because you get no three quarters of the way through the film. Is he not going to do his trademark digital effects? Mm-hmm. Three seconds later, there it is. <laughs> At this point, it become kind of a cliche in his films, but not a cliche, but kind of like something you expect. Common. Yeah, very common. So going back to my spoiler-free thoughts, I enjoyed the mess out of this film, watching like the, there again, like watching it for the first time. It's like, okay, the family's a little boring. And then you get all the 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 deep dive into Oz and that kind of stuff. I enjoyed that, but I think on the second viewing, I enjoyed the family uh, dynamic and mm-hmm. their their whole issues of family um, lineage and this and this and this and this and this. Found it really dynamic, really interesting, and uh, inspiring in some facets and then you get into Oz itself and then you get into the issues with Oz the issues with our main villain and how does our family help solve this issue I thoroughly enjoy it would highly recommend if mm-hmm. you if you have a copy keep it don't sell it yeah uh have viewing parties with your friends and watch this movie with your friends and there again, kind of like Drew said, be like, if you have connections bigger than we do, because we don't have any connections. So connections? You, what are those? Yeah. I don't know. Be like, because um, we don't have them. We don't have them yet. But uh, if you have connections, please let those you know that have connections with Crunchyroll or Sony or whomever, whom, you know, whom, whom what may. You know, let them know because we really want another release of this film, and I think a ton of people do. This is a film that needs to be shed some light on, give some love, because it is a beautiful and wonderful film about family and family sticking together. So, good film. Go watch it. All right. Why don't we go ahead and jump into our spoiler-filled thoughts then? Yes. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film Summer Wars. 
Listener discretion is advised. Summer Wars was written and directed by Mamoru Hosoda, who also directed Bell, Mirai, and all those other films we just mm -hmm. mentioned. It was okay. also written by Satoko Okudera. The cast, of course, we are doing, isn't this an anime film? We are doing the English cast, because that's the version of the film we watched. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to see if you can figure out what the connection between all of these English voice actors is. They all voice in all the other directors' films? No! <laughs> just say, let me read the thing. At okay. the end, you tell me if you can figure out what all the voice actors are going to have in common. Hmm. Okay? Okay. All right. Kenji was played by Michael Sinterklaas, and he played Taki Tachibana in Your Name. Hmm. Okay. Natsuki was played by Brina Palencia, and she played Chiaotsu in Dragon Ball. Okay. Kazuma was played by Maxie Whitehead, and uh, she played Alphonse Elric in Full Metal Alchemist. Okay. Saki was played by Pam Dougherty, and she played Madam Christmas in Full Metal Alchemist. Hmm. Wabiske was played by J. Michael Tatum, and he played Tenya Ida in My Hero Academia. Hmm. Takashi was played by Todd Habercorn, and he is Natsu Dragneel in Fairy Tale. Yukiko played Anastasia was played by Anastasia Munoz, and she played Gracie Gracia Hughes in Full Metal Alchemist. Kazuo played was played by Bill Jenkins, and he was Guru in Dragon Ball Z Kai. Hmm. Mariko was played by Shelley Clayne Black. And she played Henrietta in Log Horizon. Hmm. Ricci was played by Chuck Huber, and he's Android 17 in Dragon Ball, Ball Z. Z. Rika was played by Cynthia Kranz, and she played Chi Chi in Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball Z. Hmm. Well, Z, yes, but also Dragon Ball ah. in general. Uh, Monske was played by John Swayze, and he is Gendo Akari in the rebuild of Evangelion films. Okay. That one might throw you a little. Totsky, uh, little. Or, uh, Toske was played by John Bergmeier, and he's TN in Dragon Ball. Shota was played by Mike McFarland, and he's Master Roshi in Dragon Ball. Naomi was played by Lydia McKay, and she was Ukraine in Hetelia Axis Powers. Never heard of that one. You never heard of Hetalia? No. I need to introduce you. Rot row. Kiyomi was played by Jennifer Seaman, and she was Takius in Ragnarok the Animation. Mansaku was played by Barry Yandel, and he was Henry Henderson in Spy Family. Yorihiko was played by Robert McCollum, and he was Rainer Braun in Attack on Titan. Hmm. Kunihiko was played by Patrick Seitz, and he was Germany in Hetalia Axis Powers. Katsuhiko was played by Chris Sabat, who is Piccolo and Vegeta in Dragon Ball. Norida was played by Colleen Clinkenbeard, and she is the voice of Monkey D. Luffy in One Piece. Uh, Nana was played by Caitlin Glass, who is Damien Desmond in Spy Family. Yumi was played by Monica Rial, who is Bulma in Dragon Ball. 
Ryohei was played by Jason Lebrecht, who played Jace in Dragon Ball Z Kai. You know, from from Space Australia. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yuhei was played by Brittany Karbowski, who played Rimuru Tempest in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Hmm. Shingo was played by Allison Victorin, who played Conan Itogawa in Detective Conan. Mao was played by Charmy Lee, who played Liechtenstein in Hitalia Axis Powers. Mm. Last but not least, Kana, played by Tia Ballard, was vo- also voices Happy in Fairy Tale. So I'm going to Flying give... Cat. Oh, uh, okay. Flying Cat. The Flying Cat. Meow. So what do all these voice actors have in common? Mm, I would think Funimation? Yeah, they all worked for Funimation. Mm, Okay, that makes sense. And every single one of those things I mentioned was Funimation. Yeah. They had to use the entire stable for this film. Mm. All right. So uh, Kingdom Hearts Connections. You want to guess how many? Oh, my gosh. If we're... When was this movie made again? It really doesn't matter because I mean they could have voiced Kingdom Hearts before or after this. That is true. It was released but in 2009. 2009. So, but also bear in mind, well, yeah, you could have English or Japanese. So, yeah, yeah, English, Japanese, or an orchestra, or anybody connected with this because that's how this this little segment. Well, goes. I tend not to use the musical stuff or the uh, the background stuff unless I have nobody else to go to. Oh, okay. So I would probably. A good guess, probably seven, eight. No, lower. Five. Lower. One. Higher. Three. Lower. Two. <laughs> two. What? I had two. What? One in English and one in Japanese. Okay. The English one was Patrick Seitz, who plays Kunihiko in this. And he was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. And then uh, in the Japanese version, Sumier Mor- Morohoshi, who played Mao in this, is young Kairi in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, really? Which, yeah, that brings me to the end of my cast list. Interesting. What do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. All right, so info and stuff. IMDb, it has a 7.7.4 out of 10. Uh, watch, you can't stream it anywhere. Don't go pirate this movie. It's annoying you can't go watch this movie yes easily. exactly so we watched it on blu-ray because i have a copy yes thankfully uh production was obviously the amazing powerhouse uh madhouse mm-hmm. who, who made the amazing animation in this movie and uh distribution for the united states was warner brothers which is now which Apparently, no, 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 no. Warner Brothers was the Japanese distributor, and that's why their their thing gets to show up on there. Oh, Funimation, who at the time, that's right, that's right, was not owned by Sony. Yeah, was not their own company. This was still back when they were owned by a software company. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I'd be like, I, I, be like, so they gave me this massive list. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of people this, in the in the. Uh, committee for this one the production yeah. committee for this yeah, one distribution the whole bit so funimation yeah what are you watching you should be watching yeah crunchy roll crunch you should be watching crunchy roll <laughs> <laughs> the release date was august 1st 2009 and i believe that is the 
we find release dates. It feels like we're in episode season one now. Ironically. Ironically, again. Yeah, uh, Summer Wars were released in Japan in, in August 1st, 2009, and it was premiered in North America on February 26, 2010. So, yeah. So let me get back to my notes. And thankfully, we're four, we're almost we're five years into doing this. We know how to take notes now. When we remember to actually take notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I have no room to talk. So yeah, exactly, we all we both do it. All right. So box office. This is for the North American release in 2010. Uh, the opening was. $1.4 million on December 26, 2010. It's U.S. Gro- US and Canada gross was eight. No, that's wrong. Um, $1,412. It's uh, gross in the United States and Canada was $80,000 and $87,768. Yeah, dollars. Um, it's world gross was $18.4 million. Uh, I don't have the transition into yen. So yeah, let's go with that. So home release. And all I gotta say is Crunchyroll re-release this movie. Yeah. That's all we ask. Re-release the stupid movie. Thank you very much. Please with sugar on top and a little drizzle of chocolate. All right, Summer Wars released on in Japan on DVD and Blu-ray on March 3rd, 2010. The DVD release contained a 16-book pamphlet, on stickers, previews, interviews with the film cast. While its first print its first print limited edition of the Blu-ray also included uh, some features, also added the card game which is played in this played in this movie, Hanafuda. 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 Okay, Hanafuda. I know how to pronounce it because that's what Nintendo made when they were when they when the company was founded in the 1800s. Oh, that's right. That's right. Cuz they're going to be like I never heard of this. I still don't know how to play the game. Yeah, me either. I'm still confused. Hanafuda. 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 It sounds like koi koi. Hot koi koi or <laughs> it sounds like hot food to me. But there again, I'm just a, stupid westerner something so you pardon me for not understanding everything uh hanafudu uh where was i an art book the film a film bookmark and a making of documentary these releases were undertaken by vape uh that's probably a distribution arm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's first week in first week release of the film became the top selling Blu-ray in Japan, um, with an estimated fifty five fifty four thousand copies sold and surpassed the previous record of even uh, Evangelion one point You are not alone. As of two thousand ten, the film is uh, is the second highest Japanese Blu-ray. Debut overall, followed by Michael Jackson's This Is It. Based on pre-orders, Summer Wars was extended to expected to eclipse the sales of another another sequel film that I just mentioned a second ago. Evangelion 2.0. You cannot advance. 
Yeah, on its release on in May. Summer Wars also topped the top the Oricon animation DVD charts with 55,375 55, copies sold in its first week. The Japanese Blu-ray release of Summer Wars was nominated for a Digital Entertainment Group of Japan, DEG, and um, Japan <clears throat> Award for Best Interact uh, Interactivity in Europe. The DVD and Blu-ray was released on November... 23 26 2010 by <clears throat> kaizi am i butchering the wrong uh british distributor manga entertainment uh announced in <clears throat> sorry apparently i got a fly in my throat announced on in january in january 2010 that they had licensed summer wars in the united united kingdom and was released on March in March 2011 in North America. Funimation released Summer Wars on DVD and Blu-ray for the first time on February 15, 2011. The North American DVD and Blu-ray release are, uh, included previews and interviews with uh, various cast members. The first first copy included art cards to get out enough copies to make to meet demand so did not ship with the Oz O cards apparently their cardboard slip cover yeah o card that's the little that's right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's right thing. right 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 yeah like on that one uh let's see yeah yeah so yeah, that's all all I have for it, info and stuff. There's no sequel, as far as I understand. Unless you can all of Momoro Hosoda's other yeah, films. Because sometimes like when you have a director artist like that, they kind of throw everything into one. Right. Make this, you know, a, a multiverse. The soda hasn't actually done that. But anyway. You never know. Getting into the summary for this. Yes. Kenji Koiso is a young student deck. Kuonji High School Poor with team. a gift for mathematics and a part-time moderator in the massive computer simulated virtual reality world Oz along with his friend Takeshi Sakuma. One day Kenji is invited by fellow Kuonji student Natsuki Shinobahara to participate in her great-grandmother Saki Jinouchi's 90th birthday. After traveling to Saki's estate in Ueda, Natsuki introduces Kenji as her fiance to Saki, surprising Ruh -roh. them both. Ruh -roh. Kenji meets several of Natsuki's relatives and discovers that the Jinouchis are descendants of a samurai, vassal of the Takeda clan, who challenged the Tokugawa clan in 1615. He also meets Wabisuke Jinouchi, Natsuki's half great uncle and computer expert who has been living in the United States since stealing the family fortune 10 years ago. Kenji receives an email with a mathematical code and cracks it. However, his actions inadvertently cause Oz's love machine, that's the AI that uh, somebody made, to use Kenji's avatar and hack the infrastructure with the encryption Kenji had inadvertently cracked, causing widespread damage. Kenji, Sak Sakuma, and Natsuki's cousin Kazuma Ikazawa confront Love Machine. Love Machine defeats Kazuma's avatar, King Kazuma, and continues to absorb accounts in the Oz mainframe, which, due to many accounts... Ah, sorry. 
it scrolled up on me. Mm, never fun. Okay. Which, due to many accounts being connected to devices for public infrastructure, hmm. allows Love Machine to cause catastrophic traffic congestion and the disabling of electronic electrical devices. Hmm. Two of Psyche's relatives, Rika and Shota Jinouchi, discover Kenji's involvement. Shota arrests Kenji, but the congestion causes Natsuki to return them to the estate. Saki calls associates in important positions in Japanese society and relatives who work in emergency services, encouraging them to work their hardest to reduce chaos and damage, comparing the situation to war. Kenji is able to return control of the mainframe to the moderators and engineers, while Sak Sakuma discovers that Kenji actually misspelled one part of the code. Wabisuke reveals that he invented the program and sold it to the United States Armed Forces for a test run and expanding it into virtual intelligence. Sake later encourages Kenji to take care of Natsuki during a Koi Koi match. The next morning, Saki is discovered dead by Kenji and the Jinouchis. Her youngest son, Monsuke, explains that she had an angina and that Love Machine had deactivated her heart monitor. Kenji, Sakuma, and most of the Jinouchis form a plan to defeat Love Machine with a supercomputer using ice blocks as a coolant, while Natsuki and the others prepare a funeral for Saki. Kenji, along with Sakuma and the others, capture Love Machine, but Shota carries the ice blocks to Saki's body, overheating the, the supercomputer. Love Machine absorbs King Cosma and redirects the Arawashi asteroid probe onto a collision course with a nuclear power plant. Meanwhile, Natsuki discovers the will left by Saki and reunites with Kenji and the rest of the group. Natsuki has Wabisuke return home before the, before the family reads Saki's will, asking them to bring Wabisuke back to their lives. Realizing that Love Machine sees everything as a game, Kenji has the Jinouchis confront Love Machine to play Hanafuda Koi Koi in Oz's Casino World, wagering their accounts. Natsuki wins several rounds but gets distracted and nearly loses her winnings. However, Oz users worldwide enter their own accounts into the wager on Natsuki's side, prompting the guardian programs of Oz, the blue and red whales known as John and Yoko, to upgrade Natsuki's account. Natsuki wagers the 150 million avatars given to her in a single hand and critically injures Love Machine, prompting it to redirect the Arawashi toward Saki's estate. Kenji repeatedly tries breaking the probe's GPS while Wabisuke disables Love Machine's defenses. After being revived and assisted by several of the Jinouchi family's avatars, King Cosmo destroys Love Machine. Kenji infiltrates the GPS to redirect the Arawashi away from the estate, destroying the estate's entrance and causing a geyser to erupt. In the aftermath, the Jinouchi family, celebrating their victory as well as Saki's birthday, has Natsuki kiss Kenji after they confess their love to each other. Aww. Getting into the trivia for this one. Mamaru Hosoda completed all 500 pages of storyboards for the film at Denny's, working in hugely long 12 to 16 hour shifts. Hmm. Warner Brothers originally considered localizing the films themselves before licensing it off to Funimation Entertainment. Fair. The Guardians of Oz are named after John Lennon and Yoko Ono. That, mm. that kind of went without saying, probably. Yeah. The grandmother's birthday, August 1st, is a clear reference to Odaiba Day, a holiday celebrated within the Digimon fandom that is recognized and acknowledged by many Digimon media producers. Huh. The director to Summer Wars, Mamoru Hosoda, has a history with working on and directing Digimon media, most notably 
a movie he directed, Digimon Adventure, our war game, mm-hmm. localized theatrically outside of Japan as a part of Digimon the movie, which shares a very similar art style, themes, and plot points to Summer Wars. Lastly, the name of the rogue AI love machine is a pun. Hmm. I, really? AI, the, is, the, spells I in, in, the, in Japanese, mm-hmm. and, it mean, and that word means love. Really? So, the AI is love machine because it's an AI uh, intelligence. Womp, womp, womp. It's a bad pun. It's a bad pun. But it, but it works. But it works. So, yeah, that's all I've got for the trivia. What is your first like for this film? My first like, I guess, would probably change from my first like when we first viewed this film, is the family dynamic. You mm-hmm. have poor Ken- Kenji, right? Yeah, Kenji. Yeah, Kenji, who gets roped into something he does not understand and winds up being such a dynamic and uh, helpful part of the situation where he is roped into, oh, I get it. I'm busy. My I'm busy. My grandmother and doesn't tell him anything until he like he is pleasantly surprised that he's supposed to be the boyfriend or the fiance, the fiance. The fiance. Yeah. That would be like poor Kenzie or Kenzie. Kenji. 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 Poor Kenji. Yeah. Poor Kenji in this moment. It's just more the, the poor guy doesn't know what he's doing. And then he gets roped because then he like his his uh thirst for to crack codes and the for math solve math problems. Solve math problems. He apparently was going to represent Japan in the Math Olympics. Yeah, Math Olympics Olympics would be interesting. Like, hey, I went to the Olympics. The Math Olympics. Math Olympics. Oh, okay. You didn't throw a javelin. Okay. Cool. Well, numerically, I did. Numerically, I threw a javelin. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Moving on. Yeah, but moving right along. Doom, doom. All right. So, be like, I, I enjoy the dynamics of this family. You have the grandmother who is 98, 99? 90. 90. She's 90 years old. And sharp as a tack. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Reminds me of my grandmother on my mother's side. Oh, my gosh. And, but like, you have this enormous family with unor- with a enormous history and lineage and the, the, the story that is told. And you finally get to the point where it's, oh, they actually didn't win this battle, but they, they secured a victory in some fashion or form. And the, 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 uh, the spirit of the family, the, the camaraderie, the, uh, infighting, the, uh, the in-house tra- drama and uh the yeah just be like i i enjoy the because there again my first viewing is like oh my gosh the the battles within oz are amazing oh yeah and then you you know be like you this kind of it, it marinates on you and you you start to start to love the uh the a plot instead of i guess like would you call it the a plot or the b plot I mean, really, the plots are the same. Yeah. He, there's a lot of stuff going on in this film. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Agreed. But Agreed. They. Okay. Well, they, 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 they would, they I would say they're, I would say there are basically two, three plots, maybe. Yeah. There's uh, trying to take back uh, Oz from mm-hmm. Love Machine. There's trying to get set up for first the birthday, then the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's the whole thing where, you know, 
trying to keep Kenji's uh, who Kenji is actually a secret because yeah, then uh, that's the thing. So I, I guess that's kind of three plots that yeah. just keep butting into each other because I mean, yeah, I got like it's, a it's, cast of fifty it's, people. It's all intersected. Yeah, it's all intersection, intersected. You know, story beats, but be like the the family dynamic is so much fun to watch, and uh, is poor you know Ken, Kenji Kenji is like thrust into this he as he's very hesitant be like i can't do this he's very he's an introverted he's very shy kind of guy and the he he grows to um uh to rise above his problem where he is uh he's put in a situation where he's accused of hacking the mainframe and all this good stuff but also this this family dynamic where i keep going to and let's just get down to it be like the family that i mean this family is mm-hmm. amazing the uh the the links this family goes to in order to uh get uh revenge for their grandmother and mother grandmother whatever but uh i i find that very the matriarch the, the matriarch thank you very much uh to get their revenge for their matriarch and i i, I find that very intriguing so yes the family all 50 of them or something or however many there are or how many of this big family there is so when i when we reviewed this movie back in 2001 i gave it the subtitle koi koi yes and the reason i did mm-hmm. is because i'm going to be perfectly honest with you at the end of this movie when we're in the big climax and they're trying to win back all the avatars and such, mm-hmm. I'm kind of right there with them going koi koi with the rest of them. It was because this movie does such a good job of not just introducing you yeah, to every single member of this family. Agreed. To the point where you know who all of them are. Yeah, You may only see some of them for like two seconds and some of them may only have a grand total of three lines mm-hmm. throughout the entire film but you know who every single one of these characters are you may not know who's related to who but let's face it when you meet a whole new giant family you you never mm-hmm. have those connections exactly ca- caught up in your mind yep so you feel like you're just right there along with kenji and it kind of feels like especially in those last minutes you're part of the family too in a yeah. strange way you're right there with them saying yeah koi koi let's get let's kick this guy's butt mm-hmm. <laughs> and you feel devastated when you see her lose nearly every account that they have mm-hmm. and then i, I know I, I know this was in our war game yeah but when the rest of the world starts yeah s- coming behind them mm-hmm. and like oh this is that's amazing <laughs> it's like you is, is this kind of you get this weird rush this is one of the few movies where i feel like i am feeling all the tension yeah. and the joy that and all the other emotions that the people in the movie are feeling mm-hmm. i'm not saying i don't get worked up sometimes but a lot of times i'm still watching it as a third party yeah. basically yeah. i'm i'm watching and observing but i know i'm not part of it yeah and i still i get empathetic and that's why and sometimes i do cry when i see some movies nowadays or i get excited or i'm like here comes the good stuff that sort of thing yeah but this one this is more like yeah let's do this thing let's kick this thing's butt right up and down the right up and down the 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 pavement 
and I, I really, I almost feel like I'm in danger with the rest of it. I actually feel like I'm a part of the movie. Yeah. You get invested in it. Strangely, I never feel that way with a movie, on the, at least as far as I know. Yeah. But this one, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm right along there with them because, yeah, let's kick this thing's butt. Uh, you understand every, every you understand every single person's um how why they're why they're acting the way it is and you understand it yeah and i'm like mm, this, this movie is so stinking good i really wish this movie didn't end and this was easier for people to watch <laughs> because Very this true. movie is it, it, it just it has a ability to suck me in and make me feel like i'm part of this yeah agree uh, 30 40 member japanese family despite the fact i have nothing a part of i am in no way connected to it yeah other than i'm just watching it on television yeah uh but it just makes you feel like you're right there and i'm like oh this is so good so yeah i guess that's really what it comes down to is like this movie just makes me feel like i'm there yeah so yeah what's your second like my second like would be the i guess it would be more like the structure of oz itself because if we if we look at it now in the 2023s or bear in mind this predates ready player one yeah as a movie as a book oh as a book yeah really this predates that i thought the i'd have to double check i have to double check ready Player one, but i believe this predates that really okay so interesting so yeah the, the 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 land of oz you know not you know uh dorothy's you know you know, tornado, the whole bit, land of Oz, but this computer, this um, AI Facebook on, you know, on crack cocaine virtual world. Okay, this was around the same time. Sorry, because the oh, book okay. came out in 2011. Oh, okay. So two years later. Yeah. So, yeah, so still technically predates. Anyway, still continue. predates it. But you have this vast digital world. Sadly, it has no Digimon in it. What do you call the avatars? Avatars? <laughs> They're basically Digimon without an all but that, name. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Heck, two or a bunch of them look like they we even see a Digivolution. We do. Yeah, we do. That's right. And that is exactly it's what it is. Kind of given, but okay. <laughs> but uh I'll, I'll get there when I get there. When in my dislikes. Uh, I'm sorry, the 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 ending of this how our, our 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 main heroine gets her power boost is like really we'll get we'll get we'll get there to that. when we, we get, get there that. okay but um the world is gr the world is great because there can be like when you're watching it for a second time you're viewing more of the human side of the film uh -huh. and I think that's more. It's more be like it pulls you in more is the the family dynamic, but the world the digital world of Oz is very interesting. It, it's it's not the it's not the main thrust of the film. It is the yeah yeah just more the I have no words. I'm I'm stumbling over trying to you know say something clever and I'm falling over just trying to catch my tongue without mm -hmm. falling out. Uh, so yeah, the land of Oz. Land of Oz, be like, yeah, there's no Dorothy, but this is a very everything's kind of it's all realized and everything be like, yeah, it's, it, it makes it feel like it's actually real because they're gonna be like, we look in, you know, from our perspective now in 2023, it's like, wow, that that would be be like, we we kind of do that with social media now a little bit, 
but it's it's not be like immersive well it isn't even immersive really it's more be like be like you build an avatar you just do everything well i mean this is somewhat based off of the what with the quote-unquote social mmos that were really popular in like the early 2000s like uh Oh, what was they called? There's, I know there was a Sims on. It basically virtual chat rooms, but yeah, this has a lot more uh, functionality in it since apparently you can do your entire job through this stuff. Yeah, but mm-hmm. which let's face it, that's not the smartest thing they could have done. No, it's not. But anyway, anyways, so yeah, the world of Oz. I find I find it very intriguing, and it'll probably become our own world at some point. I hope not. Scary. I hope we have better than 256 key encryption by that point. But then an AI probably could break through that too. Yeah. I'm that's okay. Let me get I I have an issue when it comes to that, but I'm going to talk about Love Machine for a, a short minute here. Mm. Cuz he is actually my second like. Really? Yes. Because when we first watched this like mm. years ago, I just kind of looked at him as a virus, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, this is not how viruses work. This is so imaginative. It's not even funny. I'm watching it now in this age of AI art and AI and you know, the AI writing and stuff that we're starting to see coming into houses and knowing that te- by all technical accounts, that's not true AI mm-hmm. the same way love machine is not true AI. Yes. It's all machine learning algorithms. And it's scary how much they got it right. Yeah. Because that is how that would work. If you, mm-hmm. as long as you got it curious enough to just keep trying and poking at other things uh, instead of just, eh, and just set it set it up with where it liked to play games. And granted, it's still, there's still a little bit of uh uh futuristic like tomfoolery going on, yeah, with uh with how it works, but honestly, it's believable. Yep. And I could see like you get as as this techno as the AI technology gets better and better, it's like wow if it can do that we have no chance mm-hmm. especially when it gets vindictive yeah uh very vindictive and the thing is this what that's great about uh even though this thing seems to have a personality mm-hmm. it never it, it's still acting very logically yeah because it's not getting revenge when it when it throws the uh uh the satellite towards their estate it's not doing that in vengeance. It can't do it in vengeance. It's a logical, it's just ones and zeros doing what they were programmed to do. And that's take out everything that will stop it from doing its job, mm-hmm. which it's like, wow. It's like, you can tell it's just a force of nature that we created. And ironically, who do, when you create something thinking you're, it's going to be the ultimate thing, it, it always hurts the ones you love most, which is what it nearly did to Wabi Skay. Yeah. Wabi Skay's family, including Wabi Skay himself at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man. Uh I th- I thought they handled the character of love the the love machine character mm-hmm. so good in this. Yeah. So yeah. What's your third like? My you 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 
put you pricked it with with a with a pin on that one. Wabi skate. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy when you get this the uh, the black sheep of the family shows yeah. up, and everyone's like revolts. Oh my gosh, why are you here? And then you have uh, what's the uh, uh, how do you pronounce the girl's name? Natsuki. Natsuki. When not be like Natsuki. Oh my gosh, be like my favorite uncle's here, and uh, you you get his backstory and like how he's like he's mm-hmm. a he's a um, not like it's a family friendly show. We're not gonna say what you would call people like that because that's just terrible. Why would you call someone like that? Um, but be like having he's the Ill, 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 illegitimate son, yeah, of the uh grandfather. But uh, I, I, lo- I love the story where he he comes back and he's this be like he comes across this very be like antagonistic kind of character that he he doesn't like the grandmother, and then it kind of slowly reveals that he he be like he's done everything to bring honor back to his family by mm-hmm. getting the family fortune back and um that uh what's what's gay wabiske wabiske sorry wabiske wabiske is um like he's he's trying to do the right thing be like even though the the grandmother gave him money mm-hmm. he's trying to he's trying to make his family proud and what he did with love machine and obviously be like it's and his the the dynamic of him be like be like this wasn't his fault be like yeah he created it but he didn't release it onto oz you know with the american you know the american military doing that which is whoo that's scary <laughs> you know to to create something that you're simply you're created in order to advance ai and trying to bring honor to your family and then the organization or government or military who buys it, test runs it on your big social media interactive platform. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and he's, he, he's totally be like, Hey, this is not my fault. You can't blame me for this. And like, of course people want to find scapegoats and be like, you know, first it was Kaji Kaji, right? Uh, Kenji, Kenji, Kenji. Yeah, he was first Kenji, and then it was Wasuke, because they're they're always trying to find scapegoat with everybody. But everybody who is in the this very large realm of a family are actually innocent. It'd be like you have you know our first guy be like he just he was the fall guy, and then you have Wasuke, Wasuke, Wabiske, Wabiske. Good, I'm terrible with names tonight. Well, these are hard names. So. Yeah, Wabiske. They're not names that and, we as Americans normally say. And there again, I'm trying not to look at my notes every time I say something, so it makes it a little more difficult. But uh, I love Wabiske's story. Be like, it's he's probably the most fleshed out character there is in this entire movie. Um, and I love that he he is begrudgingly allowed back in in order to help um but like obviously on the death of the grandmother he comes back and he is not he's trying to do the right thing but also he's trying to revenge re- take revenge for his grandmother's mother grandmother mother him it's it would be mother mother his mother's or his adopted mother's uh death 
due to an AI. Yeah. There's only three generations. Yeah. Really, yeah. Well, four if you count the kids. Yeah. And we don't really know the kids. I don't think it's something, but they're just still kids. Yeah, they're just, you know, they 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 do what kids do at family reunions. Yeah, that's true. Run around, yeah. be in the way, and say, Oh, we're not doing anything. Right. Like like we haven't been there before ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh man, I, I remember those times over so much fun. Anyways, so yeah, it was the uh what's Wabi Skay. Wabi Skay, thank you. Wabi Skay. Uh his story. I, I enjoy that tremendously. So yeah, that's my third like. My third like for this is also in a way Wabi Skate, but it's the relationship between him and uh, Granny. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: he, she had no reason to when when they're telling going through his backstory. Yeah, we, uh, we actually see it from her point of view in the note where she's talking about how the first time she saw Wabi Skay, she decided to raise him like her own. Yeah. She has no reason to do that. Very true. Granted, we have no, we have no idea how she actually reacted to his father, Mm -hmm. but she knew that that wasn't this kid's fault. Mm -hmm. And then of course he kind of backstabs her over the, over the time mm-hmm. and all this other stuff and has been gone for years and when he gets back the first we find out that we find out he's the one who uh, wrote the code for love machine yeah and he's trying to pass up like no this is a good thing because we're going to get all our money back and she yeah. nearly stabs him with this ancient pole arm yeah i'm like and she says get up and fight like a man yeah. that but was no, good. no no it wasn't fight like a man get up and die like, like a, a man, man. yeah like, that's it that's it and yet it's still and granted we don't really know how she felt about Wabi Skay in the end because that uh uh will who knows how long it's been in that book. Yeah. But that still was her last wishes is like he's just a boy. Yeah. He he doesn't and the, the entire time I'm watching that the thought that comes came to my mind was as Christians that's us. Yeah. Agreed. We had no reason mm-hmm. to for God to accept us when he decided to adopt us into his family. That's true. And no matter how bad we screw it up, we're still going to be in the family when everything's said and done with, just like Wabi Skate was. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a beautiful image Agreed. of of that. Agreed. Um and it was a nice to get that reminder that that's that is how things are. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, uh, but that relationship that we see between Wabi Skay and Granny mm-hmm. is just it, it's it's in a strange way the most heart wrenching thing in this film, mm-hmm. and also the prettiest, yeah, the most beautiful. Yeah, it's it's I, I don't want to say it's ironic, but when uh, Granny passes away after that. Uh, uh, Duel to the death with Wabi Skay. It's something like it's like if I had an easier name for him. I'd give it to no, him, no, but. no, no. You're you're good. You're good because they're gonna be like I'm trying to focus on the camera and not look at my notes every two seconds to find the name. But Wabi Skay be like that 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 last encounter be like I guarantee that tore him apart. Yeah, 
because it like, tore her apart. It tore her apart. I mean, it's not 12 hours after this, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this, be like, it's but like, again, it's very, very touching. Wabiske is like, he's be like, he's be like, he's trying to do the right thing and trying to be like, I'm trying to, uh, I, I didn't, I did everything for you. I did everything with this family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, just, it's so touching. So touching. And it's like, yeah, we, we are, uh, sheep that are lost that, you know, need Jesus and be like, we are, we are embraced once we accept him as Lord savior. And, uh, you know, when we do mess up, we ask for forgiveness and, um, uh, we're still, we're still, because even though we, you know, like, I think it's an illustration in the gospels where Jesus, uh, gives the illustration of the, uh, the one lost sheep mm-hmm. where he, he goes out of his way to go find that one lost sheep and uh, he brings it back to the fold, which uh, is a beautiful illustration for that. So, yeah. Completely agree. So, what's your first dislike for this film? Okay, so we recently did an episode with mm-hmm. uh, retro Re- retro rewind podcast. Yes, with our, our favorite Captain Roy. Hi, Roy. Uh, and PaulJPowers.com, mm-hmm. where we reviewed Star Trek for the Voyage Home. With whales in it. The one with the whales. whales. And my first dislike is stupid whales in the stupid movie. <laughs> I'm not saying the movie's stupid, but the whales are the most useless. I mean, like, they're the guardians of Oz. And they do they okay. do absolutely okay. nothing. Okay, okay, okay. Nothing. <laughs> May I defend? Maybe. They were not actually programmed to do anything. But they are guardians. They are mascots for whatever stupid uh, flavor text this this Oz world has. That's all they are. The the only only thing which makes no sense to me is like the whales did not even give her the the really non-existent power upgrade. Yeah. The computer did it and played an animation of it coming from the stupid whales. Yeah, agreed. But they're going to be like, you know, we, we, we see the whales in the beginning of the film. And they float by, and they're credited with giving her this power boost. They do; not, they're supposed to be the guardians. Like I, I understand, they're they're they they're, have there's no abilities. They, they no ability whatsoever. So why do you call them guardians? Be like lore, <laughs> flavor text in a video game. You want to know something? They're NPCs. Do you know what NPCs do in a video game? Nothing. They give you quests and then stand around waiting for you to bring them back. Yeah, that's all they do very they are npcs they're the biggest npcs i've ever seen yeah they do nothing (laughs) because they're npcs npcs do something no they don't they give you information they're like hey here's this thing go find it these are like nope we don't do jack crap (laughs) she did in some strange esoteric way complete a quest and got loot oh jeez (laughs) i did say it was strange and esoteric oh yes agreed (laughs) The stupid wells, they do nothing in this film. They're described as the guardians of Oz. Do something. Be like, you have this big virus. Be like, you think guardians, oh, we can protect Oz. No. You are mad because <laughs> the flavor text given to us at the beginning that was just setting up the world of this weird internet browser client mentioned that these were the they say guardians. Let's be honest. What the Japanese word for that would have been 
gods yeah. of this world and they do nothing. Yeah. Much like most of the Japanese gods, from what I understand, but that's just, that could be wrong there. Don't quote me. All I'm saying is those two NPC whales, as right. stupid as they are, oh, agreed, are nothing more than animation and models that do nothing. I agree. They were never intended to actually fight back against hacking. <laughs> they are not part of the antivirus program of this thing. You know who was? They don't call them guardians. <laughs> you cannot separate computer from lore, can you? I'm joking half of this. Come on. <laughs> but be like when when you set up a character, it's like, "Oh, these the guardians are the gods of this universe." It's a sales pitch. I don't care. Do something with them. <laughs> they could have left them out and I would have been happy. But that is true because they do nothing in the film. <laughs> there again, I am being very, you know, I'd be like, I'm push, I'm pushing this whole, I'm mad at the whales thing because we did the thing on retro, but this is more, it's like, wow, they give, you know, the, our our lead our lead female protagonist her power up and they don't do anything in the film man I, I i understand where you're coming from i let, do let me give my first dislike and you will understand okay a little more okay there again i'm her joking quote unquote power up mm -hmm. was not a power up no it did not give her any extra luck playing hanafuda uh -huh. it did nothing but Give her a new skin. Yeah. Then they treat it like she's become a diva, a, go a golden goddess diva. Yeah. It's like, no, she's just got a new skin. She has a different, she, they could have made her look like Carly Quinn for crying out loud for the amount as much difference as it made. But yeah. Yeah. Don't quit treating stupid stuff as if it did something. Because all it did was change her character model. Mm -hmm. It gave her no additional abilities. True. She could still get her butt kicked by King Cosma. Yeah, that's true. It did nothing. Yeah. Besides, she'll never use that skin in anymore because she she doesn't actually play the games. No. She just uses it as her texting client. Yeah. So, anywho. Yeah. What's your second dislike? My second dislike is like, again, at the end of this film. So we have this game, what I'm going to call Koi Koi, because I can't remember the name of the game. Hanafuda. Hanafuda. So we have this game of Hanafuda, who's mentioned throughout <laughs> the beginning. I said it wrong, didn't I? You said Hanafudu. <laughs> Hanafudu. Hana. Hana. Say it with me. Hana. Hana. Ha. Ha. Na. Na. Foo. <laughs> Foo. Players, I say what you will. I've never had to fight any food, they've kept us in good shape. Uh, they're obviously doing their job. Oh my god, no, it's okay. Hana Fuda. Hana it Fuda rhymes. Ha mm. Hana Fuda. Am I saying that right? Hana yes. Fuda. Hana Fuda. I swear, I, if I'm... you say Hanu Fudu here in a minute, <laughs> you're gonna make me say it by accident. <laughs> Let's let's take it from the top. Hanafuda. Talk about all this is staying in. Hanafuda. <laughs> and like I never heard of this game until I watched this movie. 
So well, why would you? You you have no reason to know Japanese poker. Exactly. That's that's the other thing I'm going to bring in. So it Han is basically Japanese poker. Yes, but... uh, yes, I'm I'm getting there. So Hanafuda, I'm saying that right, right? Yes. Hanafuda. Hanafuda is you know very be like it's you know like Drew said it's a form of gambling game, and uh, apparently everybody in this family loves it. The grandmother, everybody loves it. So the 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 point of they bring Hanafuda and uh the the point where the they're like oh they've be like oh here's all our avatars but we can beat you in Hanafuda. And so the 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 um the jap the the director's love of reusing different elements in like what he did in war games and you know whatever be like has that very similar vibe but in this this way unlike in digimon where it's more like oh we're just gonna give our energy we're gonna give you know likes or emails or whatever it is i know i use likes wrong word no actually you said give him our energy i'm thinking are we in dragon ball yeah is she is she conjuring the spirit bomb <laughs> Well, it is Funimation. <laughs> but it's not Toei. I know, I know. I know. Or Akira Toriyama. Yes. But in, in in my mind, I'm thinking like, wait a minute. All these people who still have their avatars know how to play Hanafuda. No. And all over not the world. That's not how that... So they're, so, so they're giving their avatars to... Just help me understand this because okay because like, just to me it's like they're they're he's reusing that same theme so but so just for some reason so here's it makes so here's sense to me here's the thing what okay. they are betting yeah in this they're betting is their avatars. avatars okay that's what i thought now we say avatars here we are really need to be saying accounts yeah and remember sense. how powerful a oz account is in this world yes if whatever you have authorization to mm -hmm. Your yeah, account has authorization, yes. and if your account gets stolen, then whoever steals your account has the authorizations to do whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that makes sense. When she at the at the very end bets all her family's accounts mm -hmm. for the, uh, that, that's what she's winning back. She's winning back the accounts, mm -hmm. much like she might you might win back um, money or stuff. Yes, yeah, agreed. Thing. What Agreed. it comes down to is that that very last one, everyone is, and I, do not ask me how this works in game because I don't think it should. Yeah. But they are giving her their accounts to that's, use that's, to bet okay. against it because if she wins, as we see, yeah. it's going to make it to where he can't ante up and pay that's, into it and he would automatically lose. Okay, that's what I thought. That's and what I thought. Actually ends, he actually ends up keeping uh, uh he, he only ends up keeping one particular yeah. account, which mm -hmm. of course was Kenji's. Yeah. So with all with all of that said, with a little more explanation, thank you, Drew, for that. Uh my 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 second dislike would be okay, so you're you're betting the fate of all of Oz, all these people that accounts, everything of the world on a gambling game 
and you don't know if you're actually going to win or not. I would like to point out that Wabi Skay agrees with you on the stupidity of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Now, but here's how I will defend. Okay. The only, the, the only, they could not, they had already tried to defeat him with combat. Yeah. With uh, King Cosma. Numb. And that didn't work. Yeah. He got numbed. So they had to approach the problem from a different perspective. Yeah. They know from Wabiske that the AI likes games. Yes. So mm-hmm. it wants to play games. True. So they had to give him a tempting game to play. I agree. That would then, if he were to win, give him more of what he wanted. And what did he want more than anything else? Accounts. Accounts. Mm-hmm. That's what he was programmed to get. Mm-hmm. So he... Uh, that that's that's why they used the Hanafuda thing. It was really their last thing in order to to get enough accounts off of him. Yeah, that, I agree. Because they they didn't need all the accounts. Yeah, they needed one account, which everyone was in charge of that stupid mm. satellite. Yeah, because if they could get that one back, they could stop the satellite from falling mm-hmm. or have right, it go right. off somewhere else. And somehow he was able to mess with the satellite before he gave that account back i don't understand this by the way yeah because then they should well by that point it would have the the satellite would not have been able to actually be probably not kept from falling right so it was at that point just trying to get it off to somebody's thing and that's why he was trying to you know keep the encryption going mm-hmm. which is why he still kept uh kenji's account because it had access to the encryption keys true but anyway yeah that's why they use the uh, the betting, the, the gambling on there. And plus, the family was good at playing Hanafuda. I agree. I agree. But just my main problem is, is like you are betting everything on a card game, which you don't know the outcome of. Then let me ask you this. What would you have had them do? I have no idea. It's it's a great so I- <laughs> it's it's a great idea. But just for me, for, for someone who is be like it's it's like that is a real huge risk so here's to play a to play a card game with so here's the thing okay it was a gamble either way Mm. they had no idea if the uh if they they were fairly certain love machine would do it but love machine had gotten smarter than its original programming maybe it found a way to reprogram itself true there's nothing saying that love machine couldn't and they just ignored them that it was true. a any anything they do to try and defeat it, yeah, was a gamble. Yeah. So why not? If it's all a gamble anyway, what's one more gamble if you think you might have an advantage? I I agree with you there. Now, granted, had that game gone on much longer, uh, Love Machine probably would have learned uh, Hanafuda to a point where they would not be able to defeat him. Yeah, they it was it was not necessarily trying to beat Love Machine at Hanafuda. It was beating winning back enough accounts before it learned how to beat them. Yeah, that's Fair. what it was. Fair. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, it was a gamble either way. Is all I'm saying. I agree. I just I, I I look at I just looked at it and was like, okay, there again. This is a dislike. This is not a. I'm going to yeah. hammer so hard that they that they gambled everything on a card game. But I just like that's a 
you could say the same thing about so many movies that we both enjoy. Agreed. I mean, think back to, ironically, war games. Not our war game. War games. Yeah. They put the, they bet the entire world on teaching the computer that some that tic tac toe was yeah. impossible to win. Yeah. And and then and that makes it made it reevaluate mm-hmm. what how it looked at the game what it's it thought game. of the game of global thermonuclear war. Yeah. It's still a gamble. There's nothing saying that could have worked. That should have worked. Agreed. So yeah, that's that's I'm I'm not saying you're wrong for disliking it. Yeah, I'm just saying what else would they have done? <laughs> Agreed. Well, I, I there again, I enjoy it. I just like to me, it's just more like I don't know. So there again, it's it's a slight dislike because there again, I don't have a whole lot of disgust about this movie. So the Wells was more like ha, we're talking about Wells now because we talked about Wells earlier, and I just thought it was a really you know this, and then my second like was like oh they're gambling to save the world it's like meh again that's my second dislike nothing real serious just like okay and plus i'm playing it up because i like to be goofy yep. Yep. all right what's anyway, your second dislike my second dislike for this film how on earth okay so here's the thing hmm. we are set up that kenji was going to represent Japan in the math Olympics. So we get the idea that he's extremely good at math. Apparently that makes, makes it make perfect sense as to why he was able to break Oz's encryption without realizing it was, uh, that's what he was doing the first time, even though he missed one letter. Yeah. That was just dumb luck in Mm -hmm. reality. Yeah. But so that's believable. Yeah. Getting it a second time. It's like, wow, you really are good at math. Kudos to you, kid. The third time. Okay, this is starting to get ridiculous. But at least every single time you've done this, you've done it with pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. You calculated it that way to check your work and everything. The fourth time where you did it in your head. You expect me to believe this guy is so good at math. Yeah. He can defeat 256 character based encryption. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. And one of the, and that last time is when he's under extreme stress and doing it in his head and typing as slowly as he possibly can. And they have two minutes or at least a minute. I'm like, they're stretching this out a lot. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm still looking at it going, okay. If, if you can do this, there is no reason anyone could have beaten you for the Japanese team of math Olympics. You ought forget that you ought to win a Nobel peace prize for doing this. <laughs> Cause you did that for, you did all that in your head on that last one. And, it's unlike the first one, which would have been based, which, which we saw was based at least on some form of human writing, you know, some poem or something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I do believe the computer one's going to be complete gibberish when you translate it out. Mm-hmm. And he does it three times. Once in his head. Uh huh. 
you know, there's believability. Yeah. And then there's absolute ridiculousness. And unfortunately, as much as I love the rest of that, that last bit of climax where we're seeing that time coming down and he's like going, yeah, I just, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm not believing that you're able to do this math in your head, especially since I see no order of operations. I just see random numbers. Granted, I don't know math. I'm not a math guy, but, I just have a hard time believing this guy was able to to beat 256 in character encryption four times. Yeah. Now, granted, I am also assuming the code changed each time, which mm-hmm. it should have. Yeah. But anyway, what's your third dislike? My third dislike. Now, granted, this is like a nitpick because towards the end of this movie, things. Oh, like, like all your years have yeah, been. Yeah, I'm ridiculous. <laughs> Wales. The second one was that'd be Wales here. (laughs) Wales card game and my third falling satellite. So a falling sat the like they're they're now their big premise is to stop the uh the uh the falling satellite, which is apparently a nuclear weapon. Am am, am I am I saying that right? It's a nuclear weapon. Am I saying this right? They did not say it was a nuclear weapon. It really wasn't a nuclear weapon. It, it was, was supposed a, to be a nuclear a, vessel. It, it wasn't a nuclear vessel. That was supposed to kind of just be a telescope that had some kind of uh, capsule that it could send back That's to right. Earth, mm-hmm. and it would use the GPS signal to get it there. The problem yes. was mm-hmm. that Love Machine had so many of these things targeted, mm-hmm. and ninety-five percent of them were nuclear power plants yeah that's what i thought that was the the problem that was if it had hit a nuclear power plant might as well be a nuclear weapon yeah that's why that's what i thought that's why when it blows up the entrance to the place at the very end there's not like a mushroom cloud yeah over the thing as they as they're singing happy birthday to dead granny yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's what i thought is like thanks for the clarification because i mean i kept thinking it was like it's not nuclear so it's it's just it's it's a bullet coming down the planet pretty much so my it would have destroyed the house had it hit it and killed everyone inside yeah but it was not a nuclear weapon so here here here's my problem with this so you have this uh object falling from space to earth and there again its trajectory is being altered every once in a while but like it hits be like these things will probably hit about a 500 miles an hour be like beyond terminal velocity it, it, it would be up to terminal velocity which means it's not falling any faster yeah so yeah so my 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 thought was something of that magnitude is going to put out some kind of like electromagnetic pulse when it through the um back me up on this i'm trying to think if if a falling object like a shockwave a shockwave there was a shockwave it nearly destroyed the house too yeah so here's my point billy it destroys the house it literally it almost destroys the house but the television comes back on (laughs) because i'm thinking it would have knocked out power at least that's my thought not necessarily but i kept thinking this was not going fast enough i think to actually create Okay, from my understanding, what makes an, an EMP occur in a uh, in a atomic bomb is the actual 
energy output of the bomb itself, Agreed. of the reaction. Yeah. That's what causes that EMP. It is not necessarily the impact of an object that does that. Yeah. It did create a shockwave, and the shockwave did injure the house somewhat. But yeah. because of the angle of everything, I think of the stuff inside it was be more just like a heavy earthquake more yeah. than anything else. The luck is the fact that the TV didn't fall over. That is true. Because it was a flat screen television and it's just sitting on a table. Yeah. So that'd be more fortunate. that would be more likely that it should have fallen over yeah. than I think stopping electricity. Because admittedly you can't tell where in that uh in that castle basically mm -hmm. where the electricity is coming in. At. That is true. That is true. Granted, it's all having it, it would all had to have been patched in over yeah. the course of the last, you know, hundred or so years. Yeah. But it's yeah, it, it doesn't there's no way of knowing the only way I think it would have actually caused what you're talking about, yeah, is if it had taken out a power line. Yeah. And that technically could have happened with the shockwave, but yeah, if, the, that's what if, thinking. if the electric electricity lines were on the other side of the castle yeah. from where it hit the hill, because it was on top of a hill. Yeah. The hill could have blocked some of that shockwave and had it dissipated enough that it didn't actually take out any of that. And plus, the entire castle is far enough above the town that the mm -hmm. shockwave probably rattled a few windows and uh, maybe have to, so the cl people closer may have to replace their roofs. Yeah. But eh, for the most part, it, it could have been worse. Yeah. It could have been a lot it worse. It could have been a lot worse. But yeah. It was going to be a targeted attack at that point when they when he decided not to hit the the uh, nuclear reactors. Yeah, I just I, I found it just be like it's it's funny at the same time ridiculous that be like love machine went from be like oh I'm going to target you know nu you know nuclear facilities and all this great stuff, but no I'm just going to target these family that's really hacking me off <laughs> because because it's you know the from an, from from an illogical point of view mm -hmm. the problem from what it could see was not humans. It was this family. Yeah. Is the one that was giving it the most grief. Yes. The most trouble. And so it had to eliminate that part of the yes. problem. Mathematically, that's what it had to do. Mm -hmm. And it figured out the best way was to take mm -hmm. them out, but it didn't. But if they found out too soon, they would have escaped. That's why mm -hmm. I think from the beginning, when they should when they when that timer starts resetting yeah and it throws up all the pictures of all the nuclear reactors their cat their their house is in there somewhere but you but there's so many other, uh, other yeah. stuff there you can't see it and it was the target all along yeah so because it was already obviously aiming towards that there's no way it could have yeah even even if it was heading towards fukushima which i'm guessing that would be the closest nuclear reactor yeah. to there uh, it would not have been able to reroute that quickly. <laughs> it yeah. had to have already been heading towards their house. So yeah, I would, I would, because agree. he could take care of the rest of humanity. It's just one family that's giving him trouble. But also, doesn't it say during during that point where it says, "Be like, Glove Machine seems to be redirecting one of the uh, satellites," because that that satellite was originally being set up to do something else. Yeah, and it, he redirected it to drop that capsule. Yeah. on someplace on earth because it was the only thing really that was a weapon i guess that it could do that with yeah now the real question is 
why couldn't you do that with every other satellite up there? Do you know how many satellites are in orbit? Yeah. And all of them, if they crashed at the same time, yeah, would not be good. No, it wouldn't. And all you have all he would have to do is fire every single retro rocket to force it back to Earth. It didn't matter where any of them landed. Yeah. Because they're he's not gonna let them do the retro fire for a soft landing. It's gonna all and hit at the same time. Mm-hmm. He could even aim it for certain places. Mm-hmm. He only did one yeah because he only tried to take out this one family mm-hmm. that was giving him hard time yeah because it was thinking the whole time it was yeah. never nev- not at any point was it being stupid yeah oh believe me i'm saying i'm not saying that like any yeah. at all this, this ai was being stupid but i think the 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 plot at the very end be like gets a little be like goes like over the top with everything but it's good it's a little over the top but it's good. That's it's all not I'm over the top. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, I'm not going to fight you over this. It's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, my third dislike for this, and you, you, I think you understand. It's hard coming up with dislikes for this film. Yes, agreed. My third dislike for this film. And this is such a nitpick. The baseball mom uh, breastfeeds her kid in one scene. Okay. Don't get me wrong. That's beautiful in in certain ways. And this is not done sexy. It's not annoying. But I'm sitting there and you hear the baby crying and she realizes she's got to go feed it. I'm thinking she's going to give her a bottle. And the next thing, it's like, that's not a bottle. Well, it isn't a way. We don't see anything. Right. Granted. But it's there. And this is just me being kind of prudish a little, I guess. Uncomfortable, uh, maybe. Uncomfortable. It made me very uncomfortable. And like I said, this is very nitpicky. I have two weeks, two, three weeks ago, we saw a lot worse than this. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> four weeks ago, too. Four, yeah. But, one of those one of two of those <laughs> beginning of august true but uh yeah the that that just it made me very uncomfortable watching it, especially since this is a sad scene yeah i'm like uh i'm awkward and i'm like feeling bad that you know granny died and they're having to deal with all this and, and you get and like like mm-hmm, i get it it's like you're doing what you have to do because that's all the the family can do in that moment is what they have to do. Yeah, exactly. And putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. But it's like at that moment, I was like, well, there, there's a reason I can't easily suggest this to some people. Not that it's bad. Cause you, okay. like I said, you don't see anything. Right. But because it shows there are some pe- breastfeeding her child. There are some people who would say they, you shouldn't do that in public. And I know these people. Okay. And I can't say that I can't suggest Mm. to those people to watch this film. Okay. Because I would hear nothing else back from it but that. Okay. (laughs) Just saying it's awkward. And I uh, was trying to find things to dislike (laughs) about this film. So you chose breastfeeding. (laughs) Which I get. I get. You chose whales and a card game. (laughs) 
This is not the first movie we have seen on as a part of this podcast where the world world's fate was decided on a card game. True. Just no one was going to the shadow dimension <laughs> this time. <laughs> yeah, because they don't want to the, the shadow realm. <laughs> it's not where the shadow knows. And he knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> anyway, so what are you rating good. this film? Oh my gosh. I'm I'm gonna give it a nine. Be like it's a it's a beautifully well done film. Uh the grant it's got be like my little hiccups were apparently just silly beyond belief. They are. Yeah. <laughs> They're yours. He admits it. He admits it. They're silly. They're all all three of ours are silly. Okay. This like all six? Six. Yes. Six. All because that's the problem. You, you agree with me. This is a hard movie to come up with stuff. Agreed. And it's not it's it's not like we can say like it's my neighbor Totoro, which was a perfect film. Yeah. Virtually. Because I'm looking at this going, well, it's not a hundred percent perfect. I just have a hard time coming up with a problem. Yeah, so it's all 90 for me. Yeah, it's a swaddle of water. I'm, um, so yeah, be like it's a great film, wonderful film. Uh families go watch it. Now, if you have a problem with breastfeeding, like or <laughs> whales, or whales, or believing in the heart of the cards, or, or something like that, <laughs> be like maybe not the movie for you. But overall, this is a great movie. It's a great movie about family. It's about unity as a family, trusting each other, and the shenanigans that go along with it, and you know, defeating an AI who wants to take over the world. Of course. What's yours? You don't even know what I why I said. Of course, do you? Uh, that's from. Okay, you do. Yeah, I think Street it's from, Fighter Two. Oh, Street okay. Fighter the movie. Oh, okay, I got you, got you, got you. Anyway, I thought nine, it was from Indiana Jones film. No. Okay. Nine point five. Really? I'm giving it a nine point five. I can't give it a ten because it's not a perfect film. Agreed. Uh, it's as close as you can get without being perfect. I think Very I, true. so I, cause I do have such a hard time finding dislikes for this film. Yeah. I'm sure other people will watch it um, and, and find stuff worse than I did, but good night. This is just a fun film that I, 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 I want, I, I already want to watch it again. So yeah, I'm giving it a 9.5. All right. Next week, mm -hmm. what are we for watching? those of you who are watching live, we will not actually be having an episode. Sad. But we do plan on releasing something Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. Because, and we have not announced this on the regular show yet, we're getting ready to do review Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. That is true. And instead of having it be a part of our regular episode, like the X-Men episode, X-Men segment is going to be at the end of this episode, we're recording them separately. Yes. And for Labor Day weekend, we are going to be releasing our, T our animated series segment on the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover episode, mm -hmm. Those Old Scientists. <laughs> Love it. So, um... Keep an eye out for that. Uh, of course, by the time this episode comes out, those old scientists may already be out for you. So we'll see how that goes. Anyway, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, on the other side of the intermission, we will get to talk. We will be talking about what we've been watching. 
uh, something stuff in the news and Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Sunny and Brave, where each week hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and, and this Melanie whose name I can't To get your name off. on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? All right. So what have I been watching as I scroll back down? All right. So for what I've been watching, I watched, I believe, the ninth episode of My Adventure of Superman. It was a little anticlimactic, but it's still good. Uh, we're because there can be like we're we're living in the modern world where most tele television series in the last eight episodes mostly mm -hmm. going back to my childhood where episodes probably like you had like what would it been like 50 episodes in a week 50 episodes in a, in a year um uh, over here it'd be closer to like 24 okay 24 sorry 24. this isn't japan Sorry. Okay, twenty-four. But like you had twenty-four episodes, and now like with our more modern, uh, shorter attention span, beyond be like worse than mine, we get maybe like eight, nine. This is the ninth episode, and they're going into a tenth episode with this. So it's like okay, cool. I be like I I'm enjoying it so far. I'm curious where they're going, and I hope they don't sideline Jimmy. I'm just saying. Uh, what else have been watching? I. So while I was doing notes last night, um, so I, I saw this documentary and I watched, I looked at it for a fraction of a second one time and just forgot it. It's called uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty on Disney+. Plus. So this is a documentary they did dead, uh, documenting the era where uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, mm -hmm. Katzenberg, and um, Roy Disney, and oh come on what's his name like he was at a disney for years not walt <laughs> i don't know yeah i'm drawing a blank but i'll figure out in a minute so it's like these uh it's the the conflict with i'll be like i know you guys probably in the comments would be like it's this person jacob how are you this dumb <laughs> it's like attention span and size of a gopher thank you very much so it'd be like it's this really interesting because they it starts when when you had this reshuffle in Disney in the 80s, uh getting into be like into the 90s, into the Renaissance, to the point where Katzenberg leaves Disney. And it's just really interesting 
perspective on Disney at the time, because from where they moved all the animators out into, you know, out to the boonies away from the studios, they had to create you know, all these wonderful masterpieces to the point where they're like Katzenberg is on the way out. They're building a new studio for the animators and it's poor Katzenberg thinks he'd be like, he's being left out in the dust. And I found it really, really, really intriguing. So it was like, yeah, if you want a really good um, documentary that documents that certain section of the Disney Renaissance, that's a thing to watch on Disney Plus. You subscribe to Disney Plus. Uh, okay. Uh, I watched a little bit of uh, Drain the Ocean. This one was over World War II and the... Oh, wow. The Invasion of Normandy. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that's interesting. That was really interesting. Because there again, I'm a history nerd. And it's like, wow, okay. Didn't realize they had these kind of tanks. Cool. So I get home. And I'm kind of... I'll be like, I finished lunch. I finished dinner. And I'm like, you know what? Be like, I've, I've not heard anything of this certain artist or a alter ego of this artist in a very long time. So I'm looking up on YouTube. I'm what this like, okay, YouTube type in this, you know, fictional character's name and look up, look up. And it's like, Oh yeah. I remember this, uh, photography. Probably most people don't know what I'm talking about at this point. <laughs> You've given no hints. I know I haven't. So here, here's the title of this. Photography. VH1 behind the life of Chris Gaines. Who? Exactly. I don't know Chris Gaines. It is back in 1999. Uh, a little R&B rapper, producer, or soul, soul R&B artist known as Babyface was going to produce a movie called The Lamb. And they hired Garth Brooks to play the older version of Chris Gaines. So in run up to this movie being produced, Garth decided to make a greatest hits for Chris Gaines. And so doing so, they created a photography of the life of Chris Gaines. And this is this photography. I was like, I totally forgot this existed, but it's so cheesy and so campy. It's it's so good. It's so good that like this fictional character, and it's like yeah. Let's just say Garth Brooks can't act. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. But uh, I, I watched it. I enjoyed the mess out of it, and it was like I thought I was just bringing it up here. So yeah, it's on YouTube somewhere. So yeah, if you want to watch something that's just silly, that's played like real serious, but it's so cheesy. Like it's worth a watch. So yeah, go go look up that on YouTube. It's funny. So that is all I have been watching, unless I'm forgetting something, which I most likely I am at some capacity. I wouldn't know what it would be, mm. but I have been watching a couple of movies about a certain character who is really neat and is filled with turtle meat. Talking about, I've been watching the Gamera films. Uh, 
as I reach to grab this big box. Yeah, one of the big boxes. Yeah, one of the big boxes. Uh, I was able to get them pretty good deal, actually. But I have, I now own like every camera film for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. No, no, they're they're good movies. I mean, yeah, it, it's just you've. It wasn't initially on my list of things to get because I was focusing on, you know, mm-hmm. Zilla, Godzilla himself. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, I can get Gamera pretty easy. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so now I have 13 films to watch, wow. except I've already watched three of them. Huh. Uh, I've watched uh, Gamera, the, the giant monster, mm-hmm. which is a nice black and white film with a better transfer than uh, Criterion's Godzilla. Just saying. Okay. Uh, uh, I've watched Gamera versus Barugon. And hand me that box. I can't, I'm trying to remember what the last one is. Gamera versus Gauss. 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 Gauss is apparently the one that will return later because he's the closest rival that Gamera actually has. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's fun to be honest because okay. they're I, i'm enjoying watching them with the cheesy english dubs because there's just something magical about cheesy dubs mm-hmm. and it's just such it's kind of fun to watch even though some of this is well camera is more made for kids mm. than it is for uh adults so there's just some more goofy stuff in that happens here so yeah i've been watching the camera films I watched two episodes of a brand new show. Yes. That I think you did not, you did forget to mention because you said yes, you saw I did. half of it. Yeah, I saw half, half of the first, first episode. episode. Mm-hmm. And that would be Ahsoka. Yeah. And then I remembered, I need to finish watching Rebels. Yeah. So I'm also watching through Rebels. <laughs> okay. So the story he just mentioned, the story he just mentioned. So he I'm, doesn't know what happened to Ezra. No, I don't. So no spoilers. <laughs> so be like, I'm I'm watching this episode. I'm like, okay. Be like, I've watched this. I've watched this. I should be able to follow. I know. I know who uh, Ahsoka is. I've I've seen the Clone Wars. I've seen a little bit of Rebels. I should know this, right? You had no idea, like any of the rest of us, that it was a that Ahsoka was going to be. Rebels season five. Nope, and no and idea. That's basically, what it is. Yeah, that's what I understand. So I'm I'm watching. I'm going through this episode. It's okay. I recognize this character. I recognize this character. What happened to Ezra? It's like okay. Yeah. What did happen to Ezra? What happened to Ezra? So and it's just like I knew enough this, that when they mentioned they knew where Grand Admiral Thrawn was. Yeah, I knew who Thrawn was. And when they mentioned they they knew where he was. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I I actually said, well, then where's Ezra? Two seconds mm-hmm. before they say, well, is Ezra there? It's like, how would you know? So we're both in the dark in some fashion or form. Yeah, I need to rewatch the last season, but I wanted to watch through all of Rebels to get back to that. Right. It's been a hot minute since right. I've watched Rebels. I don't remember everything. Right. So, yeah, like, yeah, well, like I started watching it and I'd be like, I literally, I, I called, oh, I totally forgot something that we we didn't even mention. I didn't mention either. So go ahead. So let me let me finish. Then I'll one. finish mine. Okay. So wow, I'm so scatterbrained today. It's not even funny. 
Hey, what's new? Yeah, Pussycat. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Forgive my hyperness, people. It gets a little crazy sometimes. Not saying a word. So Sunday school was fun yesterday. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Anyway, what were you watching? <laughs> okay. Like I was watching half of a, I want to say Rebel season four, four, but it's not four. It's Soka. And it's like I need to go watch this. And then again, and earlier in the show, we we uh, we mentioned uh, we did a crossover with. Retro Rewind. Yes. And so you watch Star Trek, Star Trek for, for the, the Voyage home. home. Yes. So, yeah. Hot Meadow. That'd be whales here. here. At least the whales do something in that movie. Computer. <laughs> computer. <laughs> ah. Hello, Hello computer. computer. Just use the keyboard. Board. Keyboard. Oh, How quaint. <laughs> Love that movie. Anyways, continue. Computer. So yeah, Star Trek Four. I'd watch that too, of course. <laughs> um, and then I also, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Samurai Pizza Cats. I had to think. Meow. <laughs> Pepperoni. You have no idea what I I'm know what about. you're talking about. <laughs> The anime who was localized without a script. Yeah, that's what I hear. They did the best they could in the writing to match lip flaps and try to figure out what on earth is going on here. I was watching that last night when I was over at Chase's. Oh. uh, Yeah. Nice. That was fun. Uh, Other than that, there was that movie I saw in theater. Yes. Certain buggy... Azure Buggy movie, Blue Beetle. Oh, okay. I was I was trying to make a uh, a Herbie joke. <laughs> I was like, they made him close, <laughs> but no cigar. <laughs> that being said, if you ever make a Herbie movie and you have one that's blue, does a joke, I won't. I don't think anyone will complain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I enjoyed Blue Beetle it actually. If if the rest of DC stays at this level, I think I may be a happy person with it. Okay, because it has the uh, it, it was a it was it had a good emotional story to it. Okay, it was not you know up its behind like most of the Zack Snyder stuff was. It was not trying to be raunchy dirty like so many other DC ones have been. Harley Quinn. It felt like Wonder Woman. Okay. In terms of quality. Okay. So, yeah. And I think that's about it. Mm. So, so, Jacob. What, so. What do we have in the news? Yes. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why thank you, Dealit, and starting off a little bit of sad news in the world of animation. And uh, I know this is a show that both me and Drew loved. 
Uh, it kind of both has brought us into the world of comics in a lot of ways. But uh, Arlene Sorkin, the voice actress for the original Harley Quinn, has passed away at the age of 67. Um, Arlene Sorkin, known to animation and DC fans as the original voice and inspiration for fan-favorite character Harley Quinn, died Tuesday, August 24th at the age of 24, 27. 27, 67, sorry, 67. Uh, the actor is also graced the screen for over 25 over 25 years and on recent on recurring roles of uh, the ABC soap uh, Days of Our Lives. And so, yes, the original voice of Harley Quinn, uh, Arlene Sorkin, has passed away. This is only a couple of didn't uh, Kevin Conroy pass away this year as well. Or was that last year? I think it was last year. I think it was last year. So, yeah, uh, another iconic voice from our childhood is passed. Mm -hmm. So, with that sad bit of news out of the way, and not trying to rush into all the good stuff, because, like, honestly, when I did the news for, which was supposed to be on Friday, for some reason, I skipped over it. And so I wanted to rectify that. So, yeah. So in a bit more news that's been coming out, apparently I didn't know this. There is supposed to be a new Lord of the Rings animated film coming out. I did not know this. So token fans have been waiting a bit for the next animated, the animated adventure in Third Earth. Mm -hmm. Middle Earth. Middle Earth. That's what I meant to say. Middle Earth. Um, Third as, Age, Middle Earth. Yes. As Warner Warner Bros. Discovery has bumped Lord of the Rings, the War of the Rohan, Ride of the Roharam. Roharam. Okay, Roharam. Okay, didn't know how to pronounce that, but thank you. I am um, actually guessing on that myself. War of the Roharam. Ro uh, was previously announced uh, August 12th as a release date to December 13th, 2024. The shift is reportedly the result of several major financial flop, uh, flop date shifting uh, prompted by the actor strike. Uh, let's see. We can skip over this. Uh, so we have a... If you're a fan of physical media and you like... Animation movies, this movie's coming out. Uh, I know the movie did not do well in theaters at all. Um, DreamWorks Animation action-packed aquatic adventure gets a home home video release in this epic, uh, this, I would call epic, I didn't see the film, we didn't review it, but uh, is this Rudy? Ruby Gilman, yeah, Ruby Gilman, Kraken, yeah, Ruby Gilman. I, I couldn't, I for some reason, I, I was having a problem with Ruby. I was like, Ruben, Ruby, Ruby. yeah, Ruben, Ruby, Ruby, are you mad at your man? Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, collect collector's edition here, people. So, yeah, go pick up yourself a collector's edition of Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. <laughs> 
uh, will be available for digital on August 29th and Blu-ray and DVD on September 26th from Universal Picture Home Entertainment called one of the best animated, best family films of the year, according to Roger Ebert. Kids, fans can drive back into the unlikely hero tale with, an, with over an hour of bonus content. Okay, then. What I kept hearing, this was not a good film. But what do I know? I haven't seen the film yet. Eventually, this will get around to where we actually have to watch this thing. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, we talked about it earlier. Earlier, my voice cracked. <clears throat> Paramount Plus and CBS are planning to take Star Trek Day, which was a couple of days ago. Am I right? No, Star Trek Day is coming up because it's in September. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because I thought Star Trek Day had already passed. So you've got First Contact Day. Yeah. That's back on April the 5th. Right. Because that's the date of First Contact in the movie. Mm. First Star Trek First Contact. Yes. And then Star Trek Day itself is on correction august 28th today oh today no sorry i read that wrong it's september 8th september 8th okay the article i came up said august 28th but it was in bold letters so i assumed yeah i just write it down here september 8th um saturday celebrating new heights this year on on friday september 8th with special star trek star trek lower deck screening across the united states canada and the uk so yeah, we're getting cert, uh, Lower Deck season four, as you've all probably already figured, we're out. That we're going and, to review that, but we aren't going to see it in the theater because it's not playing anywhere near here. Which I think that'd be kind of funny. It would be fun. It's just not playing anywhere near here. Yeah. So a movie uh, going into the last bit of news. So this was a movie that we talked about. I think in the beginning of the year. That was one of those films that was possibly coming out. We didn't know if it mm-hmm. was coming out or not, but apparently it is coming out. It's going to be released, I think, in theaters. I believe I might be wrong. It might go to Netflix at this point. Uh, and it is uh, this the plucky, chucky, the plucky, clucky barnyard heroes of Armin's. Chicken Run is ready to fly the coop with a new adventure at the end of the year. Ahead of its official official launch, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Interesting title there. Dawn of the Nugget. Get your nuggets here. We'll have its world premiere at the 67th BFI London Film Festival, October 4th through the 15th. Presenting in partnership with American Express, the Gallia screening is September, uh, September, Saturday, October 14th at the South Bank Central Royal Festival Hall is supported by the Mayor of London and Film London. So, yeah, if you want to go see this film early, just go catch a plane ride to London and go watch this yeah. clucky film for us. You know, give us a, you know, a review on this clucky, chucky 
Chucky, this isn't about a doll. <laughs> Movie. So that's all I have for in the news. All righty. Then let's go ahead and jump into our talk on X-Men. Or Spider-Man. Previously on X-Men. Sulky over funky, kinda hulky superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. And exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. And Wolverine. Yeah. And white eyed gambit. White eyed So yeah, we are doing something a little different today, little because fun fact, X-Men the Animated Series and Spider-Man the Animated Series from 90s, mm-hmm. don't remember the year number, but anyway, uh, they're actually in the same universe. They are. Together, and they this one crossover is how we know this. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Spider-Man, season two, episode four. The Mutant Agenda, which originally aired on September 30th, 1995. It's directed by Bob Richardson and written by Michael Edens. In this episode, Spider-Man seeks help from from Professor Xavier and his X-Men about the mystery behind his own mutation. Beast advises him to hear Herbert Landon's presentation for a cure on mutation, but unknown to everyone, Landon's new cure is actually meant to kill mutants instead. Cast for this episode... Christopher Daniel Barnes is the voice of Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Not that we see much of Peter, actually, in this mm-hmm. one, these two episodes. David Warner plays Herbert Landon. Mark Hamill is the voice of Hobgoblin. <laughs> Roscoe Lee Brown is the voice of Kingpin mm-hmm. slash Wilson Fisk. Maxwell Caulfield is the voice of Alistair Smythe. Laurie O'Brien is the voice of Genevieve. Mm. Joseph Ruskin is the voice of Lewald. Brian Keith is the voice of Uncle Ben. Warren Sroka voices young Peter Parker. Sarah Ballantyne as Mary Jane Watson. Did she actually speak in this? Mary Jane Watson? Yeah. She was on screen for like a hot second. Yeah, I don't think she spoke. I don't think she spoke. No. Uh, Susan... Bobion plays Dr. Maria Crawford and Linda Gary played Aunt May, who also didn't speak in this episode. (laughs) Trivia for this. This episode, along with Mutant's Revenge, is a part of the Spider-Man the Animated Series ongoing storyline called 
Neogenic Nightmare. Mm. To the point where like every single one of these episodes starts with the name Neogenic Nightmare, mm -hmm. which took me a little bit of time to find when I was looking through Spider-Man for these episodes. Uh, and the only reason I found it was because I saw a picture of Gambit's eyes, which are white with red pupils. While in yeah. X-Men, the animated series, his eyes are black with red pupils. Yeah, a little bit odd. Yeah. Uh, this episode and chapter and mutants revenge is a crossover event with x-men the animated series of course animated series and features the main members of the x-men voiced by the same cast of actors from their own series uh eric braden was originally supposed to be the voice actor for the character herbert landon however braden was uncomfortable with voice acting and story editor john semper said braden gave a very wooden performance as landon so david warner ultimately took the role as landon hmm. do you know who david warner is no, I'm figuring out who he is. Remember Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country? Vaguely, yes. You remember the Klingon uh, High Chancellor? Yes. Who gets killed at the very beginning? Yes. That's David Warner. Oh, no wonder I recognize the name now. Yeah. Okay. And he's been in a couple other things, but that was the thing that jumped out to me. And a few Star Trek films. Well, yes, but he's been in some other stuff. Yeah, I know. Um. The fight Wolverine has with Spider-Man at the end of the episode is inspired by a fight the two had in Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one. Mm. The Kingpin financially backing the brand corporation's mutant research was added to this adaptation for the season's ongoing neogenic nightmare storyline. With the introduction of the X-Men, every time the team comes together for a battle, you can hear the background in the mm -hmm. background, the opening credit music from the series. This episode is loosely adapted from Spider-Man The Mutant Agenda number one. Similar, this story seen here is centered on Spider-Man and Beast teaming up. It did not feature much of the other X-Men except at the beginning of the story when Archangel, Rogue, Gambit, and Bishop made a brief appearance at the X-Mansion with Beast. Spider-Man seeking help from Professor Xavier was added to this adaptation for the Neogenic Nightmare storyline and to feature a fight with the X-Men. Cast. It is similar to the reactive battle when Spider-Man the X-Men first met in X-Men Volume 1, number 35. Uh -huh. This is the first appearance of the second Hobgoblin after yes. the previous Hobgoblin in season one, two in the season one two-part episode. Although, like the original, he is still voiced by Mark Hamill. Aside from the comic mini The Mutant Agenda, the story also had a storyline in the Spider-Man comic strip. It's also based on that. I mean, the three issue miniseries had pages where you could place the strips in. Hmm. Interesting. The original comic book for Spider-Man, the mutant agenda did not feature Wolverine searching for beasts because the story didn't feature Wolverine at all mm. in any of the three issues. Cause of course you got to insert everyone's favorite, you know, schnick. Well, yes. So yeah, that's the end of the trivia I have for this first episode. What are your thoughts? I was pleasantly surprised by these episodes. I enjoy because they're again watching Spider-Man the animated series, which had really, really animation. Yes. And so, it is a lot better animation. Oh, wise. oh yeah, definitely from colors the, are weird, especially on the X-Men themselves. Yeah, I agree. Because the 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 uh the palette colors mm -hmm. slightly off. Definitely when Cyclops uses his his optic blast, yeah. it's pink instead of red. Well, that's the thing, is that this one is using more pastel yeah, colors mm -hmm. instead of the vibrant dark colors that the x-men is using yes anyway but I, mean, like, I i enjoyed it i enjoyed the overarching theme of relying on your friends 
you don't have to do everything alone, which is always a big theme with Spider-Man, the animated series Mm -hmm. that Spider-Man learned some big lesson at the very end um, that you, you learn this quote unquote, a dark secret from Hank, Hank, Hank McCoy, Hank Hank McCoy. McCoy. I know I said Hank by mistake, Hank McCoy, AKA beast, AKA Henry McCoy, Henry McCoy, or Dr. Henry, Dr. Henry McCoy. Don't forget the doctorate. You know, the the big furry blue guy. Well, he got his doctor before he got turned blue. Yeah. I'm not the only one. Thank you very much. So, like, we we get this, we get the story where Hank, he's trying to cure his mutation and through, you know, scientific uh, experimentations going wrong, he turns himself blue and furry into the big lovable beast we all know and love. Um, I, I enjoy the animation for itself for what, um, be like the, 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 cause obviously you have Spider-Man cause you have, you have to use a lot more acrobatic, uh, or very fluid animation when it comes mm-hmm. to Spider-Man. So when they, fl- when they animate Wolverine, when they animate beast, when he's, when he's doing his beastly thing is like, he's grabbing the things and flipping the whole bit i love that animation now the the one thing i don't like is how they they redesigned beast for this episode they redesigned a lot of the they they did characters yeah they they slightly tweaked the 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 animation styles and the way they re they redesigned beast was like that's a little bit odd i love the animation style do not get me wrong the 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 storyline they give beast is great except the 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 character design they redesigned it to where it's just like it's so funky now great i enjoy a larger big uh uh more imposing beast yeah where he's big he's bigger than everybody else where in x-men the ma series he's about everybody else's size so so be like i i enjoy the story i enjoy the um the the villain's assistant who winds up being a mutant which be like we don't find out to next episode yeah but we kind of gathered yeah was mutant anyways and they're gonna be like it's it's an enjoyable two set of episodes we don't really we we get to see because obviously it's a be like you gotta put wolverine in it and like it's 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 fun it's entertaining um we get the like again, like most Spider-Man episodes, it's more like, okay, we gotta solve this mystery of who's like who's the goblin, who's who's this, what's going on? What is Gene Jones trying to destroy Spider-Man for this time? Um like hey, Spider-Man sneezes wrong. James this is gonna try to, you know, crucify him in the uh mm-hmm. in the public's eye. It's like he sneezed wrong, he's a menace. Jane Jonah was not in this. No, he wasn't. But it's like I thought it was well, like it's Jane Jonah. Yeah. Anderson. she he hates Spider Man. But you know, obviously Jonah is not in this show. I this episodes I don't think. Uh, but I do enjoy the the uh the story of how it evolves around eugenics and trying to um. Spider Man wants a cure. He goes to Xavier. Obviously, Xavier can't cure but, uh, a mutation. And ultimately he winds up going to someone he met in the past. I can't remember who that character was. You remember? 
the character he meets at the very end of the episode where he gets the the big moral lesson that like that to rely on my friends and I'm not alone in this. I know she's I she's relate she's connected with Craven. I don't know the name of the of the character. Okay. It's another scientist because I think Beast points or points Spider-Man to her, I think. Which why yeah. don't you go there but but this would be a pointless plot if we just went to her because be like it's great you get this great crossover with the x-men and then later on with you know other marvel characters and oh sorry that was dr maria crawford thank you sorry i had to go back and look it up you're fine you're fine i just couldn't remember her name um it's again this is a good episode i enjoy it i enjoy the i enjoy the the change of pace in animation minus the way they designed beasts that was a little bit odd uh, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I wish they would animate X-Men the Animated Series this way. I think it looks better, animation-wise. Just keep Beast the way he was. Make him bigger. That's all. Thoughts? I agree with you on the on the models. Yes. They did, the character models did feel more alive, I guess is the word I'm looking yes. for. That it's not, it's not That's the thing about X-Men the Animated Series is the art style that they're going for was hard to animate in general. Uh, but at the same time, it's feels like it's like barely animated. Sometimes mm. this, the characters for, to, for the most part felt alive. Yeah. In uh, just a different way. Uh, I, I do think they should have looked back at the animation for gambit and colored his eyes correctly yeah because that just throws you off completely uh but i mean the rest of it it was like and granted most of the other x-men are only there for like see the x-men are here yeah while we're while spider-man is breaking into the mansion and, and I, I still like that line from uh spider-man after he hears uh storm say this is one of her goddess uh, mm-hmm. uh weather summons and she's and he says uh power of webs get more sticky it's like typical yeah that's about right yeah sounds right but uh yeah i mean it was fun it was a good episode uh i i liked the uh the way they set it up and with x-men with you know with wolverine and uh spider-man trying to get in there and save beast i thought that was done well Mm -hmm. i do have Here's the thing. Nowhere in X-Men the Animated Series when Wolverine is trying to sniff out people, <laughs> yeah. does he get on all fours? No, do he never it? does. So that was a little weird here, but other than that, it was fine. Uh, I, I love... It was nice getting villains that mm-hmm. we have not seen in X-Men. Yes. Uh, not that I expect them to show up in X-Men, but uh, it was nice seeing them in here uh, just to give more weight to the world. I will admit I was surprised that Mark Hamill's Hobgoblin sounds uh, pretty much like his Joker. Mm-hmm. And a little bit. Both in terms of acting and in writing. Yes. In a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was a, it was a good fun episode and a nice breakup of yeah from the from what we've been watching with mm-hmm. x-men so far but uh yeah you ready to jump into the next one yeah all right mutants revenge which first aired on october 7th 1995 directed by bob richardson and written by 
John Semper, Michael Edens, France Moss, and Ted Peterson. Landon kidnaps Beast and plans to use him for his experiments. Wolverine believes that Spider-Man was involved in the kidnapping, of course. The cast list is the same as the first episode, so I'm not going to repeat it. Okay. Uh, trivia. The X-Men were voiced, by the, of course, by the same actors from X-Men the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. However, since the show record, since the Spider-Man sh Spider show records the voices with all actors present, mm -hmm. it had been expensive to get the X-Men voice cast voice actors to fly via airplane from Canada to Los Angeles mm. to record their dialogue for Spider-Man. Makes sense. Although in this episode, she is listed in the voice actors. Catherine Disher does not provide the voice of Jean Grey in this episode as Jean didn't speak at all. No. In fact, Jean is only seen once in the entire episode when Beast explains to the other X-Men who just arrived about, about what happened to Herbert Landon. Beast admits his early work was about trying to eliminate his mutancy, and a brief flashback shows a human-looking Dr. Hank McCoy. This makes sense with his flashback appearing as X on X-Men as Hank McCoy started to become blue and furry as a teen, but tried to look a bit more human as he did in flashbacks with the original five X-Men. Mm -hmm. Beast wanting to look more human was one of the themes of, in the Spider-Man Mutant Agenda comic miniseries. Uh, this episode is based on, of course, uh, Spider-Man, the Mutant Agenda, number two and three. Mm -hmm. Landon turning into a giant slobbering slug-like mutant creature that feeds on energy is what is was altered for this episode. Hmm. The change was made to parallel Spider-Man's worst fear in the Neogenic Nightmare Saga and show Spider-Man and the X-Men team up to defeat Landon with and help him become somewhat normal again. At the end of Spider-Man Mutant Agenda number three, had Landon turned into a scaly, crusty, slobbering mutant creature, but he was rather quickly defeated by Spider-Man and Beast. However, he never returned. Uh, he never returned was in, or able to cure and was never seen again in the comics. Ah. Kaiju! It turns out Landon's assistant Genevieve was actually a mutant all along, and she was the one who rescued Spider-Man in the auditorium when the ceiling caved in in the last episode. Beast offers to introduce her to Professor Xavier, but she is never again seen on the series or in X-Men, the animated series. One done characters. You gotta love them. Pretty much. This is pretty much a lot like the first episode yes. we reviewed. Uh, just, well, I mean, it makes sense. It's a uh, Continu carrying on, continuation yeah. of that story. Uh, I will say that I, I kind of want to go back and watch this whole neogenic nightmare storyline just so i can understand uh yeah. more of what spider-man is dealing with in these episodes yeah because just coming in for these two as it's it it's not bad you understand what's going on yeah. to some degree they give you enough information but it does feel like we're missing a lot of stuff yeah but uh other than that the episode was good uh we ha had a nice good fight scene hobgoblin got stuck in the in the uh, stairwell yeah that was funny yeah um but and, and the whole thing with spider-man trying to hold up the cage with beast in it oh while yeah, he's yeah barely holding on to wolverine and wolverine will not wake up <laughs> it's like beast throw him <laughs> throw him he'll be fine he will heal he won't if he hits the juice, but throw him into the monitor. He will survive. Uh, the other thing I want to point out. Thank throw, you later. I want to throw in here is uh, 
the 3D the 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 3D stuff yeah that they throw in here. I know this was popular at this time mm-hmm. in cartoons, and Spider-Man did it a lot better than what X-Men tried to do uh, in the first couple episodes with the with it just being part of the ending credits. Yeah, but uh, there was some of that in here. I was looking at and going, I would have preferred you kept that 2D than doing this 3D thing because the 3D thing's not really working for this. It just kind of feels out of place. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's a good episode. It was a great story. I, I, I kind of wish that this was going to have something uh, that would it would be an ongoing plot for the X Men to deal with because it really just feels like they're guest starring more than it being a legitimate crossover. Yeah, I agree. But it is what it is. I mean, how much of a crossover can it be if we don't get to hear our favorite semi villain? I don't have many of those left. No, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. What are your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, like it's it's like the same, except we get more of the like. Oh, here's the diabolical plot where their villain goes, "Ha ha ha! This is my scheme!" Ha ha ha! And uh, you know, be, you be, caught be, me monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and like you get you beast, you know, uh, philosophizing about you know life and you know beast being beast. Uh, like shocker, she's a mutant. Shocker that nobody got shocked shocker by. Shocker was not in this episode. Oh, ha ha ha! <laughs> yeah, it was so much of a vulture turn. It's not even funny. I know he wasn't in this episode. Vulture turn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, anyways, I got so venomed up in it. It's not even funny. These aren't even. You're not even trying. <laughs> no, That's I'm the not, thing. I know I'm not trying. I'm being goofy and silly. I'm sorry. Be like, so you're fine, dude. Yeah. Jacob being silly and goofy most of them. Not be like that doesn't happen at all. No, of course not. But I enjoyed the episode. Be like, you get a kaiju moment. Mm. I kind of. He does go big. Yeah. But not and he's I, sucking on energy. Yeah, okay. I'll let it go with that, but it's like, eh. anyway. Because I kept thinking, it was like, Nate would really enjoy this episode. He probably did. Back in the day. Back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, It's, you know, not like really big surprise. And it's like, oh, yeah, he turns into a big kaiju. But like, he's the one to be like, I'm going to destroy mutants. He turns into a mutant. And he's, he's a character... One of the characters actually see he's actually used in the episodes, the oncoming episodes of Spider-Man the AMA series. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Be like this was this was an interesting treat to go into Spider-Man the AMA series to watch X-Men. So I did forget to mention earlier when we were talking about upcoming stuff, since we're not recording an episode next week that does not mean that we're not got another episode coming because we too get this to open uh our next episode we 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 recording on september 8th is the beginning of bad movie month and we're starting off with a guest 
That's right. We somehow convinced Nate Marchand of the Monster Island Film Vault mm -hmm. to come back and join us to review The Legend of Titanic. This no, no, no that, I didn't say Titanic, The Legend Goes, goes on. on. Or it's I, this way, actually. I said The Legend of Titanic. So, yeah. That so was... it goes... Yeah. Well, I mean, this quote-unquote not trilogy of yeah. Titanic animated, animated Titanic films. Yeah. Yes, there's a third one, folks. Yeah. Uh, Brace for impact. <laughs> yeah. Th this is the one where the... Uh, the giant the giant oct a puppy faced octopus this, yeah uh, sinks the titanic because it got talked into it by the gangster sharks who are working with a bunch of people on the titanic and uh there's a girl a woman on there who can hear what can understand what dolphins are saying because her tear fell into the moonlight oh my word this is going to be nonsense i can tell Mm -hmm. uh, also for X-Men that week, we are going to be uh, watching uh, Family Ties and Bloodlines. Mm -hmm. So join us next week for that. Do you yeah. got anything before we cut out of here? No, it's just, yeah, this was, the, the movie's great. These are good episodes. Yeah, so just stay tuned. All right. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try, but fell. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at the Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at the Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. that exciting yeah i got nothing koi koi <laughs>